goes against what God created you and, you and I to be. And so where you see selfishness, where you see greed, you see that which is the actual, the, the absolute opposite to who and what God is. Now, the sad thing is, is that by nature, uh, we are self-centered. And Jesus shows us the way out. That's the, that's the glory of Christmas, my friends, is that Jesus came to this earth to show you and to show me how we could live the blessed and happy life. Because we don't know on our own. We're too stupid. We just don't know. We think that the way for us to be happy is to get, get, get. And Jesus tells us that the way to be happy is to give, give, give. If you're going to be happy today, then you need to learn what it means to be a giver. If you want fulfillment and pleasure in life, then you need to be a giver. I want to show you some ways very quickly that you can help someone. And um, I'm, I'm, my message is brief this morning because uh, the, the drama cast is going to sing for us again this morning. It was so fantastic over Friday and Saturday. I just said, we can't just do this twice. We've got to do it, at least do it three or four times. And so they're going to uh, sing for us this morning again. I'm just so excited about that. But before they do, I want to sh- just share with you ways that you can help someone this Christmas. Ways that you can be blessed, fulfilled, and happy this Christmas. And the first thing that I want to point out to you is that if you have money, you can share that with somebody. Look what it says in 1 John 3, 17 to 18. Maybe you could read that with me. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. I don't know if any of you as uh, remembers the Oprah Winfrey sh- Oprah Winfrey show on September uh, September 2004 but in one of those shows in in that uh, in that month of 2004 she gave away to her studio audience a car everybody got a car 276 cars were given away on that day and it uh, it was a the um it was worth about 7.5 million dollars and everybody went hysterical about it. People still talk about it, in fact, to this day, about how generous Oprah was. Now, the interesting thing, friends, is uh, uh, I don't know whether that came out of her own personal fortune or if it came out of the company. I, I tend to think it was with the company. But let's just give her the benefit of the doubt and say that she wrote a check for $7.5 million to buy everybody in her studio audience a car. You would find that that 7.5 million was not even a fraction of what her yearly salary is. Her yearly salary at that time being about $385 million a year. $385 million a year. Her net worth being two point, about $2.4 billion. $7.5 million is nothing. If you're speaking in terms of percentages of a person's income or what a person has. Now, here's the thing, friends. We look at someone like Oprah and we say, well, Oprah's the one that should be giving because she's the one that's got the money. But I want to remind you that as Christians, you and I are supposed to be the ones that lead the way in giving. Did you know that? You and I are supposed to be the ones setting the pace, setting the example of what it means to truly love God. And if the Bible says very simply that... uh, You cannot claim to have the love of God in you 
if you do not share, if you do not give to those in need. I am so, so pleased to tell you that in November, we gave nearly 300 boxes, I think just, just shy of 300 boxes, and $2,100 to bless 300 kids around the world. That's absolutely thrilling. I am, I am so, so excited to be part of something like that. But I want to tell you something, friends. This, is, this should not be the exception. This should be the norm. This should be what you and I are known for. You and I should be known as people who share and give. And so this Christmas, I want to invite you to think about what you could do for somebody else who is in need. Last week, I got a phone call from someone in our congregation. And this person said to me, Pastor, I heard of a family in our church that is going through a hard time financially. And uh, they just got some unexpected bills. And uh, I'd like to... My, my husband and I would like to do something to help this family out. And I said, well, that would be fine. And uh, I had no, no idea what to expect. I thought maybe they'd come with a $50 bill or something or, or maybe a bag of groceries. But this person showed up last Sunday and handed me an envelope with $500 in it and asked that I would anonymously uh, give, give the, the gift anonymously to this family that was in need. And I can tell you, something spiritual took place last Sunday when that family who was in need received that gift. Without strings attached, they will never know where that money came from. But they will know this. Listen to this. They will know this, that God has answered their prayers. God came through in their time of need. And God used that other family who said, Lord, here am I, use me. Now, maybe you don't have $500 to give. Maybe you only have five. Maybe you only have 10. I don't know. But I want to encourage you this Christmas to reach out and help someone. Open your wallet up and share a little bit about what you have. And I'm going to tell you this. If you do, if you do, the Bible says that you are lending to him when you help the poor. And God will never be anybody's debtor. Now, here's the neat thing, folks, is, it, is that God is honored. God is blessed. That family is blessed because their needs have been helped. And the person who gave is blessed because now they're experiencing God's blessing and help in their lives. Folks, this is, this is something that's hard for the natural mind or the unspiritual person to grasp a hold of. But those who know Jesus understand that we're talking about spiritual principles here. And those who want to walk in the Spirit will be a people who understand that when you give, when you share, something spiritual takes place. Something mysterious happens in the spiritual realm. And you get the great sense, wow, God is at work. God's using me. And wow, there's nothing more exciting than to be used by God. I want you to help someone this, this Christmas. If you have money, share a little bit with someone. And if you could do it anonymously, even better. Do it so that nobody knows where it's coming from. Just just put a, a gift certificate in the mailbox. But do something special for someone. If you have talents, would you could you use, share your talents, share your gifts with someone? On Friday night, Jordan introduced me uh, to her friend. Jordan is in, usually in the second service with Corey. She introduced me to her friend who was crippled in a wheelchair. And beside the woman 
was a dog with a special, um, I was going to say special cape, but this was, it wasn't Wonder Dog. <laughs> it had a special vest on. And it was obviously uh, a dog that had been trained to help a handicapped people, people in need. And um, I said to Jordan, I said, are you training this dog? She says, yes. I, I've trained this dog to help my friend here. And the friend looked at me and shook my hand and said, I'm so thankful for what Jordan has done for me. Jordan used her gifts, her skills to reach out and help somebody. And she could say, you know, I'm busy, pastor. I've got lots to do. I've got things to do at church. I've... But here she is. She's saying, I, I want to be used by God. I'm going to use my gifts and make a difference in somebody's life. It reminded me of, a, of that passage in the book of Acts where the disciples are on their way up to the temple to, to preach, to worship. And on the way in, there's a beggar sitting there asking for money. He, he's crippled. He can't do anything. He can't move. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where there's been crippled people around asking for money, but this crippled person, the Bible says, didn't even, didn't even look at them. He just put his hand up and says, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And, and Peter stops and says, look at me. Look at me in the eyes. And this crippled person is kind of shocked. Like, okay, uh, usually people just, you know, throw a, throw a coin in the basket. But Peter's stopping and saying, now look at me in the eye. And, and Peter looks at that crippled person. That crippled person looks at Peter. And Peter says, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And in that moment, because Peter is willing to be used by God to help someone, you get that. Some people, I, I wish I could have that kind of power. I wish I could. I had those kind of gifts. My friends, in order to... Receive those kind of gifts from God where you can help people. You've got to be willing to step out and, and help people. God does not give you gifts for you to put them on your shelf. God gives you gifts so that you would use them. And so Peter comes up to this man and says, look me in the eye. I don't have silver. I don't have gold. But what I have, I give you. And Peter reaches out his hand and helps that crippled man to his feet. And I can tell you what it says in the Scripture. It says this man went walking and leaping and praising God because Peter was willing to use his gifts, his talents. He was willing to use what God had given him. There's a, a very famous show on TV these days called Extreme Makeover. Has anybody seen that? Has, does anybody, has anybody cried watching that? Yeah, you're all laughing because you don't. I know you are. I mean, I sit there. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Sarah says, Daddy, are you crying? And I say, well, what if I am? Um, just want to know, Dad. Just want to know. I don't know what it, what it is about women. They want to know if their men are crying. So there I am watching Extreme Makeover. And you know how it goes. Poor family. No money, no nothing. And this this crew comes along and tears the house down and builds a new house and, the, and sends a family away to Disney World or whatever. The bus is parked in front of the house. The family gets out of the limousine and stands behind the bus and everybody yells what? Say it. The bus moves. <laughs> You've seen it. The bus moves and everybody does what? They all go, And it's usually, oh my goodness. <laughs> Every one of them says that. 
Now, it's very moving. And usually what happens is once that bus is moved and the people see the house, then suddenly the camera shoots over to a, a work party. Middle-aged, kind of, punch, kind of guys, guys look like me. <laughs> guys that worked on the house, did the construction, they go over and they've got tears in their eyes and they give the, the people big hugs and the hugs are exchanged. And you know something special has happened. You know there's a special bond that's taking place. Because these middle-aged, paunchy, talented construction guys gave of their time to help someone in need. You know what? This, this really strikes a chord in the hearts of everyone. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why it's so popular. I'm going to tell you why it's such a, such a popular show, why people love watching it. I'm going to tell you why. Do you want to know why? It's because we were created in the image of God. And this strikes a chord in people's hearts. They don't even understand why they feel so blessed, so happy, and why they're crying. They don't know why. They're sitting there sobbing, and they don't know why. And it's because this is what God created all of us to be, to be givers. God gave his son. Jesus gave his life. And those who receive that gift that Jesus has given receive the gift of eternal life. My friends, the power is in your hands to make a difference in someone's life. If you'd only take and use your gifts, your skills, like Jordan using her abilities to train animals. My brother and sister went away for the weekend. They left their dog with us. I'm ready to wring that dog's neck. And I'm thinking, how does Jordan do this? I was ready to stick that dog in a box, I'm telling you, and hang it on the wall. And I don't care if I don't see it until next year. But there she is using her gifts to make a difference in someone's life. My friends, that is what God's called you and me to do. You might not, you might think, man, I, I can't do much. But you know what? What you have, the ability, the skill, the talent that you have, God wants to use it to make a difference in somebody's life. And by the way, can I tell you something? I, I gotta tell you this. This idea of the extreme makeover, this is, this is a biblical idea. We read about it in, in the book of Acts. When people were in need, what happened? They sold their possessions and they brought it to the apostles and said, here, just share it with whoever needs it. This is amazing. This is New Testament Christianity. And here's the other thing, folks. If you have money, share it with someone this Christmas. If you have talents or gifts, share it with somebody. There's, somebody needs your help. If you have power or position, I want to invite you to be a good steward of the power or the position that God has given you. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, it says this, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. As a pastor, one of my greatest pleasures, one of my greatest joys has been to make it possible to, to build schools and orphanages and Nipah huts. And I see that <laughs> a lot of things happening right here. Can we just... It's in our power. It's in our, it's, a, it's in our hands to make a difference in people's lives. And so when we invite you once a year to come to a missions banquet... And to just give a measly $50, it means the difference between having a roof over someone's head or not. It means the difference between someone getting an education or not. 
means the difference of living on the street or living in someone's care. And so this morning, I want to say to you, if you're in a position, if you're a boss, if you're, uh, if you're financially secure, if you're secure as a family, I want to invite you to reach out to somebody with the power and the influence that you have and make a difference in somebody's life. Gloria and I were, were in Greece. We, uh, we didn't know our way around and we didn't know, we didn't know a whole lot. But we had some beautiful Christian neighbors that took us under their wing. We were immigrants in a strange land. We were actually, the, the Greeks called us aliens. And, uh, it wasn't because I was wearing little funny things on, or green skin or anything like that. I was just, I wasn't Greek. We weren't Greek. And our neighbors, I mean, it was so funny, really funny to watch our neighbor with their friend. They're, they're walking down the street carrying great big sewing machines so Gloria could sew clothes. And she never did. I did. I did the sewing. She, our neighbors are carrying furniture down the street, taking care of us because it was in their power to do that. Is there somebody new to this country that needs your help? You're, you've got the position and the power to make a difference in someone's life. Maybe you're a parent today, and you're in a position to make a difference in your kids' lives. Many years ago, Al Capone virtually owned the city of Chicago. Al Capone, as most of you know, is a, was, a, was a mob boss. And one of the men on his, on his payroll was... Man called Easy Eddie, and uh, Easy Eddie, his his job was to to do the books, and uh, his his job was to act as the as the as a like a lawyer for for Al Capone. And uh, Easy Eddie did such a good job that Al Capone made sure that Eddie had everything he could ever dream of or ever wish for. And uh, Eddie, Eddie had everything he needed. But Eddie also had a son. And one day, thinking of his son and thinking of what he was going to pass on to his son, he, uh, he realized that he, he might be able to pass on possessions, but he couldn't pass on a good name to his son. He knew that he couldn't pass on those, those good virtues that his son would need. With all his wealth and influence, he could not give his son a good name or a good example. And so you know what he did? He went to the authorities to tell the truth about L. Scarface Capone. He wanted to clean up his tarnished name so that he could give his son some semblance of integrity. And in order to do this, he knew that he'd have to testify against the mob. And he knew that it probably would come at a cost. But you see, it was in his position, it was in his power to make a difference in his son's life. It was in his position and power to help his son. And so, within a year, Easy Eddie's life was gunned down in a blaze of gunfire on a lonely street in Chicago. But in his eyes, he'd given his son the greatest gift he had to offer. At the greatest price he could ever pay, 
In his pockets, the police found a rosary, a crucifix, a religious medallion, and a poem clipped from a magazine. And the poem reads like this. The clock of life is wound but once, and no man has the power to tell just when the hands will stop at late or early hour. Now is the only time you own. Live, love, toil with a will. Place no faith in time, for the clock may soon be still. There's a man in his position and with the power to make a difference in his son's life. He, he laid down his own life. What are you willing to give to make a difference in someone's life? In World War II, World War II produced many heroes. One such man was Lieutenant Commander Butch O'Hare. He was a fighter pilot assigned to the aircraft carrier Lexington in the South Pacific. One day, his entire squadron was sent on a mission, and after he was airborne, he looked in a, at his fuel gauge and realized that someone had forgotten to top off his fuel tank. He would not have enough to fuel to, fuel to complete his mission and to get back to his ship. His flight leader told him to return to the carry, and reluctantly he dropped out of formation and headed back to the fleet. And as he was returning to the mothership, he saw something that turned his blood cold. A squadron of Japanese aircraft was speeding its way toward the American fleet, and nobody knew about it. The American fighters were gone on a sortie, and the fleet was all but defenseless. He couldn't reach a squadron and bring them back in time to save the fleet, nor could he warn the fleet the approaching danger. There's only one thing he could do. He must somehow divert this Japanese squadron. And so what he did is he headed right in to the very midst of that squadron with guns blazing. And after he'd run out of ammunition, he thought, well, what I'm going to try to do is I'll try to clip their tails and clip their wings and and bring them down. Undaunted, he continued the assault. He dove off, dove at the planes, trying to clip a wing or a tail in hopes of damaging as many planes as possible, rendering, rendering them unfit to fly. And then finally, the exasperated Japanese squadron took off in another direction. Deeply relieved, Butch O'Hare and his tattered fighter limped back to the carrier. Upon arrival, he reported... What had happened? The film from the gun camera mounted on his plane told the tale. It showed the extent of Butch's daring attempt to protect his fleet. He had, in fact, destroyed five enemy aircraft. And this took place on February 20, 1942. And for that action, Butch became the Navy's first ace of World War II and the first naval aviator to win the Congressional Medal of Honor. A year later, Butch was killed in aerial combat at the age of 29. His hometown would not allow the memory of Butch to be forgotten. And so today, we have a, an airport in Chicago called O'Hare Airport, named as a, in tribute of the courage of this great man. Now, what do those two, two stories have in common? Butch O'Hare was none other than Easy Eddie's son. Easy Eddie laid down his life, and it wasn't in vain. He had taught his son to live for others, to be a man of integrity and of courage. I wonder today what you're willing 
to sacrifice what you're willing to give to help somebody. And I wonder what kind of a difference it's going to make. Let's pray. Father, we want to say thank you this morning for your word, which reminds us that the greatest joy, the greatest pleasure, the greatest fulfillment in life is to give, even as you have given. We pray, God, that as we go from this place, we would find someone that we could help. We pray, God, that your name would be glorified and honored even as we serve. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. At this time, we're going to give you a little bit of what we had here last night. So the Christmas cast would come right now.